Well, good morning, everybody. I'm glad that you're able to be with us. And again, we're not together physically, but we are together in spirit. So we thank God that you're able to uh, watch this. Now, what is clear is that God is in control. Let me repeat that. God is in control. When we began preparing for this series called Heaven and Hell, we had no idea that a coronavirus would break out and that we would have to uh, stop meeting together in the middle of the series. The whole series on, on uh, heaven and hell from Revelation 18, 19, 20, 21, and 22 really is uh, a wake-up call for all of us to be prepared and ready for Christ's return. In fact, I don't know if you know this, but everybody in the early church was known as people who were looking for and waiting for the return of Jesus Christ. Now, I know that some of us are really struggling and some maybe are tempted to despair. You feel like you've lost your hope. Well, the good news is next week is Palm Sunday, and uh, Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday, we're going to be dealing with the subject of hope and praying that God's word would just minister to your heart and fill your heart with a joy and a peace and the calm assurance that he is sovereign and he's in control. Now let me remind you again, do not be afraid. This is what the Apostle Paul told the Christians in the city of Philippi. He said in Philippians 4, 6-7, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation... By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Well, I think that's exactly what we all need to hear. We need our hearts, we need our minds to be protected by the grace and the love and the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. So what do you need to do? You need to make sure that you are bringing everything to God with prayer and with petition and thanksgiving. And by the way, if you've never been to one of our prayer meetings, I invite you to come on Tuesday night at 6.30. We're doing it through Zoom, and uh, all you have to do is indicate to us that you want to be part of the prayer meeting, and Janet will send you a link. But please do that so that you can pray through this and you can pray with us and we believe that your heart will be refreshed. Now, some are worried uh, that maybe I'm going to get the disease, maybe I'm going to die. And again, what Paul says to the Philippians, he says, to live is Christ and to die is gain. So Paul's not worried about dying. Uh, he just wants to do God's will. And ultimately, folks, if you're a Christian, that's what you want. You want to do God's will. You want to be available to do God's will. Whatever he wants brings glory to his name. So let's be prepared to do that. In fact, that's really what I'm going to talk about today in Revelation 22. This whole idea of, of being obedient to Christ and doing his will. Now, let me give you a bit of a, a recap because today is the last day in our series, our five-week series. In Revelation chapter 18, we talked about the fall of Babylon. Babylon is representative of the world. It uh, is sometimes called the great prostitute. It's, uh, it's, uh, Babylon is attractive to everybody, and sadly, even Christians are enticed 
by Babylon. Babylon's the world. And, uh, and James tells us that we need to be careful as Christians not to be friends with the world, because if we're friends with the world, then we are enemies of God. And as James tells believers that, he begins <laughs> with this big rebuke by calling them, you adulterers. And what does he mean by that? Well, many Christians are committing adultery with the great prostitute, which is the world, or Babylon. It's the systems of this world. It's the religions of this world. It's uh, atheism. It's humanism. It's all those things that are anti-Christ and anti-God. So, Revelation 18 serves as a reminder to us that we need to make sure that our hearts are fully and completely in love with our Lord and Savior and that we have rejected the things and the ways of this world. And then we looked at Revelation chapter 19, and that is where the rider on the white horse appears. There's four mighty hallelujahs that start this chapter. And it's a, it's a celebration of the end of Babylon and all the evil that has per, been perpetrated by Babylon. It's, the, it's a celebration of the end of Satan's influence. It's the celebration of the end of the world as we have known it. So Jesus, the rider on the white horse, has come. He has conquered the evil of this world. And in Revelation 19, we are reminded that we who have been invited, we who are believers, will be celebrating with Jesus at the great wedding feast of the Lamb. Then we get to Revelation chapter uh, 20, and there uh, we, we hear about the, the great lake of fire. Let me just read it to you, Revelation 20, 14 to 15. Then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. This lake of fire is the second death, and anyone whose name was not found recorded in the Lamb's book of life was thrown into the lake of the fire. And I want to just ask you a question before I go any further. Do you know for sure that your name is in the book of life? This, uh, this whole coronavirus thing is really making everybody think. And this is a good thing because it's making us reflect to take stock, to find out what's going on in our lives. Most of us are so busy with our job, with our activities, with our meeting with other people that we haven't had time to meet with God. At least that's our excuse. But I'm going to tell you, God is giving you an opportunity right now to take stock of what's going on in your life. So I want to encourage you to make sure that your heart is right with God. Then we get to Revelation 21. We talked about that last week. And it tells of the new heaven and the new earth. And the, the thing that we recognize is that at the end of the scripture, we see a description of something that we saw at the beginning of the scripture. That is in Genesis chapter 2. We see the Garden of Eden. It's, it's the new heaven. And I don't know if you know this or not, but... When you and I go to heaven, uh, you and I are going to be entering into the new Garden of Eden. It's absolutely thrilling. And I'm going to tell you, we see these themes throughout the scripture. And if you have an eye to see it, then you will definitely see it. So it's thrilling. And we talked about the fact that in heaven, there'll be no more sorrow, no more crying, no more weeping, no more pain, no more suffering. It's all over. And that God will dry every tear from our eye. So we're thrilled about that. Now, 
We are at Revelation 22, and this is, uh, again, the last book of the Bible. In Revelation 22 is an invitation to all to come to Christ before he returns. It's, it's really a, a warning to, to take stock of what's going on in your life and make sure that you're ready for the coming of the Lord. It's an invitation to all people who are unconverted, all people who are not yet born again. So make sure that you take time, cry out to Christ if you're not converted, and the good news is that he will save you. He will wash away your sins. All you have to do is confess your sin. All you have to do is ask Christ to forgive you, and then you need to repent and turn from your old ways and start to follow in the footsteps of Christ. You need to start obeying Jesus. And that really is what Revelation 22 is all about. It's all about a reminder, a warning to all of us to make sure we're ready for Christ's return. What do we do while we are waiting for Christ's return? Well, it's simple. Obey him. Tell the person beside you, you have to obey Jesus. You have to obey Jesus. This is what we do. We are people who call ourselves Christians. All Christians are people who obey Christ. So let me begin by reading to you from the first few verses of Revelation 22. I'm going to read the first seven verses. So if you have your Bibles, take them. And uh, you may want to pause your, your YouTube right now and uh, go get your Bibles, but, but follow along. And by the way, if you haven't read Revelation yet, you need to read it. You really do. Okay, so Revelation chapter 22, starting at verse 1. Then the angel showed me a river with the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. It flowed down the center of the main street. On each side of the, of the street, or of the river, grew a tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit with a fresh crop each month. The leaves were used for, medi for medicine to heal the nation. Revelation 22, starting at verse 1. Then the angel showed me a river with the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. It flowed down the center of the main street, and on each side of the river grew a tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit with a fresh crop each month. The leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. Now you'll notice that this tree of life is first mentioned in Genesis chapter 2. We know that we are back in Eden based on the fact that the reason, the reason Adam and Eve were kicked out of the Garden of Eden is because they ate first from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because they ate of that tree, God did not want them now to eat from the tree of life so that they would live forever. So they were evicted from the garden. Now the good news is that we have put our faith in Christ, we who, we who believe God and do what he says, we now have access to the tree of life we now will live forever. We now will be able to live for eternity. We'll be able to eat from the tree that Adam and Eve were not allowed to eat from. It's thrilling, isn't it? This is what heaven is all about. And then in verse 3, it says, No longer will there be a curse upon anything, 
For the throne of God and of the Lamb will be there, and his servants will worship him. Who are his servants? You and me. We are his servants. We will worship the Lord for eternity. And they will see his face, and his name will be written on their foreheads. And there will be no night there, no need for lamps or sun, for the Lord God will shine on them, and they will reign forever and ever. Then the angel said to me, everything you have heard and seen is trustworthy and true. The Lord God who inspires his prophets has sent his angel to tell his servants what will happen soon. And then Jesus says, look, I am coming soon. Blessed are those who obey the words of prophecy written in this book. Blessed are those who obey the words of prophecy written in this book. We are told here what we are supposed to do while we are waiting for Jesus. Now, here's the thing. Many of us, while waiting for Jesus, have become distracted. You know what I'm talking about. You know how you should live. You know the way uh, you should be carrying yourself as a believer. You know the things you should be doing. You know the things that you shouldn't be doing. The question is this. Are you ready for Christ's return? Are you looking for Jesus to return? There is a blessing for all who are waiting for his return. And my question is this. Are you ready for Christ's return? Because he is coming. In fact, it says, Jesus says, I am coming soon. We don't know when, but we're called to watch. And I've said it already, I'll say it again. The early believers were known as people who were watching and waiting for Christ's return. This, this kind of was this like a tagline. If you're a Christian, you're like, oh yeah, you're those people who are waiting for Christ's return. This, this defines who you are. It defines what you do. It defines what you are. You're a person waiting for Christ's return. Now, the problem with living in North America is that, well, I always say it's a dangerous place to live because there are many distractions. If you go back and read in Revelation 18, I'm going to tell you, when I read Revelation 18, it sends chills down my spine because it sounds like Canada. It sounds like North America. All the luxuries, the pleasures, the, the, the money, the wealth, uh, all, the, uh, all the gratification that you could imagine and more. It's this, it's this that is a problem for believers because we have been distracted by Babylon, the prostitute. She's become more attractive to us than Jesus Christ. And this is why you and I need to take stock right now to make sure that your heart, that my heart, is fixed on Christ and not the ways of this world. But I know what some people say, oh yeah, pastors have been talking about Christ coming soon anytime. There's always scoffers. But can I remind you of something? Jesus, Jesus coming to this earth was prophesied in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. We call that the proto 
Evangelion, the first evangelistic message, where God declares that Jesus would come and crush Satan's head. Satan would strike his heel, and that's exactly what happened. Jesus died on the cross, but Jesus was not conquered by Satan. Jesus conquered Satan. And, and, and I'm going to tell you this, Jesus crushed his head. This is the first evangelistic, this is the first gospel message. It's absolutely thrilling. And then we find Isaiah, millennia later, Isaiah 53, once again telling us of the coming of Jesus Christ. And in Isaiah 53, and by the way, it's not just Isaiah 53, the prophets all speak about Jesus. But Isaiah 53 very, very clearly tells us what Jesus will come to do. Jesus will come to be, uh, to be bruised and crushed for us. He will come to take away our sins. By his stripes, by, his, by, the, by the whipping that he, reserve, he receives, we will be healed. So, the prophets are all telling us of the coming of the Messiah, and then Jesus does actually come. We, we celebrate that at Christmas time, don't we? But what a lot of people didn't know, or, well, actually nobody knew it then, and a lot of people don't realize it now, is that when Jesus came to this earth, he came to conquer sin first. He came to take back the spiritual realm first. He came to dwell in people's hearts first. But when Jesus was hanging on the cross, when Jesus was being crucified, what did they do? They scoffed. See, there's been scoffers through, through all time. People have scoffed. Remember Noah building the ark to save the world? And it says that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. They scoffed at him. They didn't pay any attention to his message. They laughed at him. They mocked him until Noah and his family got on the ark. Some say that he preached for 75 years. Some think even more. And then when the rain began to, to fall, then suddenly, oh, yeah, yeah, we won in. Oh, yeah, we were wrong. I'm going to tell you something right now. You don't get second chances because that's not how love works. Jesus has done everything he can for you now. You can't, you can't all of a sudden respond to God, say, oh, yeah, God, I love you, I love you, now that you're facing the punishment that sin deserves. And by the way, for those of you who think that God is being vindictive, he's not being vindictive. He warned Adam and Eve before they even sinned. The day that you disobey, the day that you don't trust me, the day that you don't believe me and do what I say, the day that you eat the fruit, that's the day you're going to die. That's the day when it's over. And God kept his word. Adam and Eve disobeyed God. They didn't believe God and do what he says. That's what faith is. Believe God and do what he says. They, wouldn't have, they didn't trust him. They didn't have faith. And so I'm going to tell you right now, real love for God is called faith. It's believing God and doing what he says. And you have to do it before hell. You have to do it before you die. And by the way, there is no purgatory, so that's not a place where God's going to sort of finish his job of, of refining you. That, it doesn't work like that. It's not biblical. It's now. Now is the day, now is the appointed hour, now is the moment 
of your salvation. So stop scoffing and understand that God taking the time that he's taking in, in, in returning, he's doing that for your sake. That's what Peter says. It's because of God's great love that he is holding back the return of Christ. And I just thank God for that, and you should too. God is holding Christ back. Jesus is not coming right this moment because God is giving you a chance. I, you know, really to be, as, I, as I'm speaking, I'm thinking, actually Christ could return before this message even goes out. I don't know. But you need to be ready. He's coming again. Stop scoffing and start believing. All the Pharisees, all the religious teachers, all the religious people, they scoffed when Jesus died on the cross. They'll always be scoffers. But Jesus says, blessed are those who obey the words of prophecy written in this book. Can I just quickly tell you what it means to be blessed? Because when we, we hear the word blessed, we... We use it so flippantly, you know, I'm blessed to have this car, I'm, I'm blessed to have this nice jacket. I'm, I'm, we use it flippantly, we don't really know what it means. I'm, I'm blessed to have nice shoes, I'm blessed to have a good figure, I'm blessed, you know, whatever. I'm blessed that I still have my hair, although I am losing it. <laughs> this, is, this is not blessing. Let me tell you what real blessing is. Real blessing means that we have a real joy in our hearts. And this, you know that you have that Holy Spirit joy if you can be happy in the midst of coronaviruses and problems. That's how you know you've got the real joy. It's, it's supernatural. It comes from God. And more than that, you have peace. A peace that passes all understanding. You can't even get your brain around this, this supernatural peace that comes from God. Again, it's evidence that you're converted. Now, there's times when you don't feel that peace and that joy, and that's just a wake-up call for you to run to Jesus and get yourself sorted out. So if you don't have that peace and the joy right now and you call yourself a believer, don't panic. Just get on your face before God and get it back, and it'll return to you, I promise you. And if it doesn't, then just phone me and we'll talk it out. Yeah, blessed to be blessed means that you have peace, you have calm, and I'm going to tell you, when you think that this is being spoken in the context of the book of Revelation, you recognize how special this blessing is. You have peace, you have calm assurance, and the other thing, of course, is that you have real fulfillment. God has filled your heart, you have peace. Hey, do you want to know something? This blessing that I'm talking about, this is the great human pursuit. People want this. And they hear the gospel preaching, you hear the pastor preach about how to get it, but they'll say, no, we want to look for it in another way. We want to look for it in other places. But what people don't understand is the only way that you're going to have this kind of blessing is if you turn to God, because only God can fill that, that hole in your heart, that God-shaped hole. Only God can give you that kind of peace and joy. And if you don't have it, that's just evidence that you need to get your, your life sorted out. I'm going to tell you, this world tries to offer substitutes. This world tries to offer uh, counterfeits for what God wants to give you. 
You can only have this joy and this peace, this calm assurance, this, this fulfillment through Jesus Christ. You know, this world, Babylon, it tries to entice you with wealth and health and prosperity and happiness, with instant gratification. But I'm going to tell you right now, if you embrace the great prostitute Babylon, if you embrace this world, if you're embracing this world right now, I can guarantee you that you are empty and you feel dead inside. Oh, if you are embracing the prostitute right now, you may not feel dead, but I'm going to tell you, when that moment of gratification is over, you'll be dead and empty again. This world cannot satisfy you. It cannot make you happy. It's not possible. It's never been possible. And all of history proves it. If you've lived for any number of years, you know exactly what I'm talking about. By the way, parents, you need to discuss this with your kids. You need to have some really frank conversations with your children to help them to see that this world cannot bring true happiness. Now, if you want to know this blessing in your life, I'm going to tell you, it comes only through obedience to Jesus Christ. And that's exactly what it says here. Blessed are those who obey the words of prophecy written in this book. This, this is Jesus speaking. You need to understand that. Jesus is speaking there. If you've got a Bible where all the words uh, that Jesus speak are in red, well, this would be one of those verses that would be in red. Jesus is telling you this. You need to obey. Now, can I just remind everybody that Jesus Christ is the Word of God? That is actually a title for Christ, and it's used in the book of Revelation. In fact, the book of Revelation begins with this verse, Revelation 1.1. This is a revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants the events that must soon take place. He sent an angel to present this revelation to his servant. We read that in uh, Revelation 1.1. God wants you and I to understand the will of Christ. And again, it says it right there in the, in the first chapters of Revelation that anybody who reads the book of Revelation will enjoy and know great blessing. So if you haven't read Revelation yet, I don't know why you haven't. I mean, it doesn't make sense. If you want to be blessed, who doesn't want to be blessed? Get your Bible out and read it. Enjoy it. And see what Jesus Christ calls you to live and calls you to do. Ultimately... What Jesus is calling us to do is, in fact, to obey him. Now, I've been in the ministry for 37 years, and I can tell you, I have seen so many crazy fads go through the church. I can't even begin to name them all. I'll name a few, the health and wealth and the prosperity teaching. It, preachers are still on TV preaching that. And I told you about, uh, about one of them that is worth $760 million. It actually says that. I think uh, in the uh, Wikipedia biography of him, uh, you can look that up yourself. I've seen all these fads and these teachings go through the church, and I can tell you they're, they're empty. We have lost sight of the most important thing, and that's it. Obey. Obey Jesus. If you See, everybody's looking for a new, exciting thing. What's this new, exciting thing that God's doing? When you hear people talk like that, run for your life. 
There's nothing new. There's this, this very old command to obey Jesus Christ. That means that you need to be following Him. That means you need to be learning from Him. It means that you need to be embracing Christ rather than this world and the crazy fads and the crazy teachings of this world. In the very first, the first few verses of Hebrews 13, it says Jesus Christ, uh, Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And then in verse 9, it says, and stop going after all these crazy, weird teachings. I'm paraphrasing a little bit. But this is what we do. Stop it. Start obeying Jesus Christ. Start following in his footsteps and doing what he tells you to do. I've watched preaching become psychology lessons and therapy sessions for a new and improved you. Haven't you heard that? In fact, I, was, I, I, try, I do this all the time. I turn on a day star and listen to what kind of nonsense is coming across that. Yeah, I said it. Maybe I shouldn't have said it, but I said it. The crazy nonsense that comes across that. It's how to be a better you and how to have a better marriage and how to have a better, be a better parent and a better this and a better employee and how to be successful. This is not the gospel. This is psychology. You don't need the Bible for that kind of stuff. What Jesus calls you to do is he calls you to take up your cross, to deny yourself and follow him. He calls you to love one another. I can tell you this right now. If you follow the teachings of Jesus Christ, then you will be the best husband in the world. You'll be the best wife in the world, the best mother, the best father, the best employee. You got to do it God's way. You got to stop doing it your way. As if your effort could make you a better person. If that were the case, we wouldn't need the gospel. We wouldn't need scripture. We wouldn't need Jesus. What we need to get back to is what we call gospel preaching. Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin. Not because you are a bad parent or a bad husband. He died on the cross because you're a sinner, which makes you bad at everything. So it's time for us to start following Jesus, giving him thanks for dying on the cross for our sins, and for giving us the Holy Spirit who enables us and helps us to follow after him with all our heart. That, my friend, is how you're going to have a successful life. So stop listening to the psychology preachers who I believe are false teachers and start listening to what Jesus Christ tells you to do. For some of us, we're quick to buy this video and, and that CD and that teaching and, and that book. Stop it. Get into the scripture, find out what Christ wants you to do, start obeying him, and watch the blessings of God begin to flow in your life. I'm not saying you're going to get whatever you want, but what I will tell you is that you will get everything that God wants. Now, it doesn't that is not what it means to be a Christian. Not my will, but thine be done. Father, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Folks, I'm talking to you about old-fashioned Christianity that has nothing to do with the systems, the teachings, and the wisdom of this world. The teachings and the wisdom of this world are bankrupt. We need to understand that. We need to confess it. We need to admit it. And we need to say, Jesus Christ, help me. Help me to obey you. 
Help me to reject Babylon. Help me to reject this great prostitute. Because I can tell you she'll never, never ever satisfy you. Christ alone will satisfy you. Obey. We need to remind our children. We need to remind our each other. I need to remind you that this is central to our faith. This is what had Adam and Eve kicked. The lack of this is what had Adam and Eve kicked out of the garden in the first place. It's been the problem of humanity from day one. And guess what? It's still our biggest problem. You know it. You know that in your own life. When you disobeyed God, when you decided you were going to choose the way of the rebel, when you celebrated the fact, oh, yes, I'm a rebel, that's when you got into trouble. That's when it became a disaster. When you decided that you're smarter and wiser than God the Father, that's when you began to have trouble. Folks, the good news is that God loves us, and he has given us clear direction for our life so that what? So that we would know the joy and the peace, well, the blessing. That's what he wants for us. But it only comes through obeying. Now, it's interesting. We come to the end of the Bible. We come to the end of Revelation. And here we are in the same place. In Genesis chapter 3, we find Adam and Eve disobeying God. We get to Revelation 22, the last book of the Bible, and we're reminded, if you want to make it into heaven... If you want to enjoy Eden, then you have to do what the first Adam did not do, what the first Eve did not do. You need to obey. And that's what Jesus is saying. Blessed, happy, joyful, fulfilled are those who obey Christ, who obey everything, all the words of prophecy written in this book. Can I remind you that the spirit of prophecy is Christ? And we, we, we need to understand that if we're going to have his joy, if we're going to have the delight, the thrill of God at work in our life, then it's going to come through, through obedience. I don't care how, how much you worship, how, much you, how many worship songs you sing. I don't care if you've got the voice of an angel. If you're not obeying God, you're not worshiping. You're just singing songs. Worship begins with obedience. In fact, I would say this to you. The heart of worship is obedience. When you obey Christ, you're worshiping God. You're bringing glory to his name. So here's the thing. The church exists to teach people to obey Christ. Your pastor exists to teach you to obey Christ. That's why... I know some of you still don't get it. You still haven't embraced this, this discipleship model that I've tried to, uh, to teach the people of Cross Church. I'm teaching you how to follow Christ. Walk with God every day. Pray and read your Bible every day. Make sure that you connect, that you go to church. And by the way, if you're sitting here listening to this, you're fulfilling the habit of Jesus. Jesus was in the habit of meeting every week. It means that you, you are living holy, uh, a life, uh, moment-by-moment holiness. Every decision you make, you're asking yourself, what would Jesus do? Okay, I'm going to do what Jesus is going to do. It means that you're part of a small group. That means you're connected to other believers, and you're caring for them. 
It means that you're taking advantage of every opportunity to serve, to serve your neighbors, to serve your children, your spouse, your friends, anybody that you can get your hands on, you're going to serve them and love them and care for them. You're going to be making disciples. You're going to be sharing your faith, telling people about Jesus. This is Jesus' command. This is the last words that Jesus gave his disciples before he left this planet. He said, go and teach people to what? To obey, to obey everything I have commanded. That's what making disciples is. And by the way, if you're a parent, your first project is your children. You're teaching your children to obey Christ. You say, well, what should I teach them? Teach them the seven habits and you'll be fine. By the way, the seven habits are meaningless if you're not converted first. So by the way, if you think that you're going to please Jesus by living out the seven habits without being converted, it's not going to work. You're going to be frustrated. It's just legalism. The seven habits are guidelines to help us to know what to do in response to the teachings of Christ. And then, of course, lastly, you need to give. You need to be a giver, even as Jesus gave. And uh, again, it, it's your decision. Are you going to obey Christ or not? Folks, I want to share this verse with you. This is what the angel said in verse 9. But he said, no, don't worship me. The angel is giving this, this uh, revelation to John. And John, when he saw the angel, he fell down and began to worship him. And he said, the angel said, don't. Don't worship me. I'm a servant of God, just like you and your brothers, the prophets, as well as all who obey what is written in this book. Worship only God. There, there it is, folks. You, you wanna, if you want to truly worship God, you know, it's not going to come from listening to, H, what is it, uh, CHVN, there you go. It's wonderful to listen to it, but listen, that's, that's, not, going to, that's not doing the trick. If you think that listening to, to Christian radio stations is somehow going to fortify you, uh, well, it might if first you're obeying God. And if, you, if you're doing what, what, what Jesus wants you to do, then, then yeah, you, it'll help you a lot. But understand that obedience is at the very core of worship. And uh, this is who's in heaven, those who obey God. I think it's really cool that, that everybody who obeys God is lumped together with the prophets and the angels and the apostles. We're, all of us. All of us who will be in heaven will be people who obey God. It's a thrilling thought. And, you know, some people think, well, you know, you're going to be greater in heaven, I'm going to be less in heaven. There's none of that. Everybody who obeys God, everybody who worships God, we will be standing together before the throne. And each of us, because we've been touched by the Spirit of Almighty God, we will delight to serve to serve God and to serve one another. Heaven is going to be the most incredible place because that will be the place where we will become all that God wants us to be. People who love him and love each other. Now, this coronavirus, uh, I mentioned it uh, in, in the devotional that I did uh, on Wednesday. Last Wednesday, uh, Janet in the prayer meeting 
prayed, God, use this coronavirus to advance your kingdom. The Spirit of God spoke to my heart, really, really thrilled me and challenged and encouraged me. Because I believe that God wants to use this coronavirus to make you stop and reflect on how you're living your life. To make sure that your life is where it needs to be. Here's a Here's something I want to share with you in, in closing. Once again, we're told of a blessing. Blessed are those who wash their robes. They will be permitted to enter through the gates of the city and eat the fruit from the tree of life. What does this mean? Well, blessed are those who wash their robes. Of course... This refers to, to your heart being, being washed, being cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of the Lamb cleanses us of all unrighteousness so that we have access to heaven. You don't get to heaven by, by your good works. I don't know if you knew that. You said, well, Pastor John, you've just been talking all this time about obedience. Yeah, but you have to understand something. That obedience, that obedience is the evidence that you put your faith in Christ. Because those who have been, who have been born again, those who have put their faith in Jesus and, and his work on the cross, those who say, Jesus, you died on the cross for me. I needed you to die on the cross for me. All those people are people whose robes have been washed, been washed clean. That's how you're washed clean, by putting your faith in Christ. And if you put your faith in Christ, the thing that you're going to do is you're going to live in complete and total obedience to Christ. That's what, you, that's what you're going to want to do. That's going to be the desire, the longing of your heart. In fact, you're going to only want to hang out with people who also want to obey Jesus. If you're hanging out with people who don't want to obey Jesus, then there's something really wrong, uh, something very, very wrong in your life. And uh, that's, a, that's a massive, massive red flag. In fact, there's red lights flashing, and you need to take serious, serious stock of your life. You need to find out what's going on. Why on earth would you want to be hanging out with people who don't love Jesus the way you do? Yeah, those whose robes are washed by the blood of the Lamb will be permitted to enter the gates of the city and eat the fruit from the tree of life. This speaks of eternal life, folks. But outside this city are the dogs. I don't mean, we're not talking about nice dogs. We're talking about the kind of dogs that are wild. The kind of dogs that, that, that are uh, outside the gates of the city, that are, uh, that are roaming around the, the garbage heap. Um, Gehenna, it's called. In fact, Jesus, Jesus uses the term Gehenna to describe hell. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? That's where the dogs are. The, do the wild dogs that, that don't love purity. These dogs are the sorcerers. That term sorcer sorcery uh, comes from a Greek word pharmakio. And uh, I don't know if you know that, but that's where we get the word pharmacy. In, in fact, it, it, if you look in the Greek, it, it actually... It's talking about people who are taking drugs. 
If you're drugging yourself, that's what this is talking about. If you have any doubts about whether or not smoking pot or using pot in any way is, is permitted by God or not, here's the final word. It's not permitted of God because it is altering your mind. And I'm going to tell you that your mind is supposed to be controlled by the Holy Spirit, not by drugs and not by Babylon, not by the things of this world. And by the way, it also includes sorcery, evil, all, all manner of evil. If you're using tarot cards, if you're, uh, if you're looking at horoscopes, if you're living by anything that is demonic like that, you need to get it out of your life immediately. And of course, the sexually immoral, the Greek word there is por- porni, and, uh, from which we get the word uh, porno or pornography. It's the, it's the core word of that word. We've got to really think about how we're living. And this coronavirus, man, it's caused all of us to stop dead in our tracks and think about how we live in our lives. And some of us have some very serious repenting to do. God has given you an opportunity to repent of your sin. And, and Revelation points out idol worshipers. These idol worshipers, these, this is, go back and read Revelation 18. Because that's what it's talking about. People who love anything other than God. Any loving and worshiping anything but God. And all who love to live a lie. And frankly, some of us are living like that. And it's time now. It's time now to repent. To turn from your old ways. That's what repentance means. It means you're going in this direction. Now you've got to go the other direction. It's time to repent. Because not one of us wants to be outside the city. Not one of us wants to be one of these dogs. We want to know the blessing of robes washed clean so that we would be permitted to enter through the gates of the city and eat the fruit from the tree of life. Hallelujah. I, Jesus, verse 16 of chapter 22, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this message for the churches. I am both the source of David and the heir to his throne. I am the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let anyone who hears this say, come. Let anyone who is thirsty, come. Let anyone who desires drink to drink freely from this water of life. And I solemnly declare to everyone who hears the words of prophecy written in this book, if anyone, if anyone adds anything to what is written here, God will add to that person the plagues described in this book. And if anyone removes any of the words from this book of prophecy, God will remove that person's share in the tree of life and in the holy city that are described in this book. He who is faithful says, yes, I'm coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. May the grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's holy people, separated people, separated unto God. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this message on heaven and hell. Thank you for making it clear how to make it to heaven. Thank you for showing us today what we need to do while we wait for Christ's return. 
We need to be faithful in obeying Jesus. God, forgive us for jumping all the, on all the bandwagons that go through town and for, for embracing crazy doctrines. Help us, God, to get back to the bare essentials. And you're calling us to obey you, Lord Jesus. You're calling us to do your will on earth as it is in heaven. Help us now, we pray, to deny ourselves, to take up our cross and follow you, Lord Jesus, because in obedience we have eternal life. Through Jesus Christ, who died for our sins. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. Amen. God bless you.